0: Welcome to episode eight of the Better with Running podcast, where, where we celebrate all things running through the sharing of running stories, knowledge, and experts. I am Matt Davy, co-founder and coach and runner at Run to PB, and welcome to my co-host Zach Newman, also one of the founders, coaches, and runners at Run to PB.
1: Hey Matt, great to be back, mate. How are you going? Yeah,
0: yeah, good, good, mate. Yeah, nah, nah, um, keeping fit getting outdoors bit more yeah keeping fit yep yep yeah, a few. good you
1: yeah i am yeah although um yeah it's uh, the weather's starting to turn here in melbourne it's uh starting to get a little bit cool i know uh overnight there was thunderstorms and rain so you know getting the gloves back on and putting the tights on
0: the red gloves back out again <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> might have to get some um run to be red gloves uh branded up for, for some merchandise <laughs> i
0: like it it's a great idea
1: um. Yeah. No, I'm ticking along, and you're uh, You've been getting some sessions out. I see. Yeah. I have.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just settling in with sort of around two sessions a week, and occasionally a bit of a pick up on the long run. So yeah, find um the body's managing that sort of intensity and that sort of volume that I've got at the moment. Um, and yeah, not really trying to push it too much, and I don't want to get injured during this
1: time. Yeah. Spot on. I think. Um. Yes, it's been a key and, and part of that, um, and, and I want to go into what happened over the weekend for some of the Run to BB athletes. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of the virtual series we've been putting on over the last uh, you know couple of months was we actually had the virtual hot lap this time. So we, we shake things up a bit with a... We actually coined the term, I think you did, Mattress, the hot lap hustle. Uh, yes. Basically, we got... We gave our athletes a choice, anywhere from one k to a hundred k. So I don't think anyone actually went with the hundred k option. But I didn't. <laughs> no. But yeah, look, essentially the aim, and it was it was nice and chilled out, but also gave us all uh, you know, athletes an opportunity just to um, test themselves over a nice little block of training they've had. And yeah, that was it went really well. Uh, the opportunity for the runners was. We had a time window. It was on the Thursday, the seventh of May, through to, to Sunday, the tenth of May, and there was some great results coming through, Matt. Yeah, did you end up yeah. going actually on that? Um, yeah, I
0: I, um, I talked about targeting one of your CRs actually. Um, the reverse, pretty much reverse lack of the tan, but I decided, you know, you haven't, you're sort of losing most of your CRs these days, so <laughs> I didn't want <find> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would have hurt
0: one. that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, To grab your most favoured CR, so I um, yeah, I headed down to a great little two point three k loop, uh, gravel loop around Hastings foreshore. It actually makes up part of the Hastings foreshore park run. I've I've ran the park run around there a few times and and really enjoy that loop, but I've never really had a crack at just just one hot lap. So I decided that was uh, going to be my target. Um, and I'd looked at. The record of seven minutes and four seconds, and, and the average pace that that would take you at it is three hundred five. And I was fairly confident, yeah, at at um, yeah, at getting close to that time. Um, and a lot dependent on the on the weather and the conditions and whatnot. But um, yeah, ended up hitting the lap in six minutes fifty four. Um, but yeah, got absolutely stitched up by Strava. Uh, they gave me seven minutes twenty one um not really sure what happened there I had um
1: <laughs> you might need to get gym. your um yeah okay so you what about what was on your watch yeah 654 yeah yeah yep. well, but the segment they're claiming is what 721
0: yeah I'm not sure because I like I, I finished the lap and then sort of jogged around the start finish line there um that's pretty and I don't know whether it that sort of stuffed it up or not, but I had I had Jemma out there um, and one of the guys I like coach, Alex, was out there as well, and they both had clocks on it and and yeah, they sure. confirmed the time. So I was I was happy with that hit out, but then yeah, when I loaded the the watch um, onto the phone and, and then hit up onto Strava, I was like, man, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. But um, yeah, I know the effort was there, and I had a lot of fun anyway, so I, I didn't really mind too much. Um, I might is, have to, just is back out there in no? next week. That's What's very that?
1: interesting. Yeah, the fact that you've had Jemmy, your partner out there, and one of the guys you coach, Alex, on the watch. Um, yeah. Might have a chat to those guys and see what the actual real deal is, because it sounds a bit dodgy to me.
0: Yeah, no. I, <laughs> please do, please do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, around the lap though, there was um, yeah, because there's a it's a fairly heavily used um, dog walking section. Yeah. And yeah, so running around. There was a group of about six people and they all had their dogs um, off the leads. And one just darted straight across and, you know, probably hitting around three, just over three-minute K pace. Gee. And, you know, I just had to do a bit of a leap um, over the dog. And <laughs> it brought that memories from when I when I went around um, Red Hill Rail Trail a few months ago and, and I hit the deck when a dog did the same sort of thing. So, oh, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, had That's the memory a, of that. But,
1: yeah, bent- we jumped it up. Eventful uh seven minutes twenty one or, or sorry, six fifty four we still to be confirmed what that what the actual time was. But yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. I hey, just saw that, who sorry, who who um who has that CR or still still actually has it? Is it one of your um, mates? Yeah,
0: one of the one of the uh, bale pigs, um, Jesse Dunsmore.
1: Um, oh okay. Yep. Run culture um friend yeah. of the show, Dane Furway's um athlete.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he did it when he um got the Hastings uh, Park Run uh, record. He that was a yeah that was in that sort of yeah in that run itself. So um, I felt a little bit bad doing it, <laughs> just one hot lap when he'd done basically, um, <laughs> basically a couple of them. So um yeah I was yeah. So he still got it. Um. So he, I don't think you will be too disappointed.
1: Seems to be a bit of a, um, a lot of crown stealing going on around at the moment. With no races on, people have been setting, uh, setting targets and, and, and aiming for certain segments around town I've been seeing on Strava.
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah pretty contentious sort of um, debates across a few of them, I think. <laughs> and how'd, um, how'd yours pan out?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't get anywhere near crowns. at um, I was at Princess Park. So um, part of actually fused two events together. So my old high school, which is gone, gone a long way back now, they were hosting a virtual school cross country event open to past yes you know, current students and past students. And yeah, they um, they got in touch with me to get involved. So was happy to put my hand up and, and have a crack at it. So I did a six K, one of the events was a six K and rolled around just under two laps of Prinny Park. So I organised a training partner of mine, uh, Frankie. I actually made him sacrifice his session that he had planned and got him to tow me around for 3K, which was fun. Um, I hadn't sort of been doing a lot of solo training and pushing myself by myself, pushing by myself a lot. And to have a training partner there and sort of switch off and focus on um, someone else as well, um, it really helped. And yeah, Frankie, Frankie went to about 3K and, and then uh, I went on and tried to close out the last lap and I was, I was in, I was at the locker. I was just, I've done sessions, but I haven't gone to that, that place yet. And I probably still didn't get there from a competitive race standpoint, but it was still great fun to, to test myself over two laps.
0: Was it um, one of your fastest um, yeah, yeah, hit outs around there?
1: um it'd be up there yeah i i can't recall really doing i i remember the athletics victoria relay they had one lap around there i can't remember what time i did there it was probably sub eight minutes or something but you know (laughs) no um it so i haven't tested myself over that i've done park runs there but yeah so i'll claim it as a i guess a course personal course record can you do that (laughs) own
0: personal course record yep yeah
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, just seeing the results and look, we had fun just, you know, me and you, me and you and a few of the other coaches had a crack at it, but seeing the results come through over the weekend was, was unbelievable. Like some of, the, some of um, the athletes that have just, you know, started recently and then some of the athletes we've been coaching for, for a number of years, all stepping up and, um, and having a go at it.
0: Yeah, it was... Um... Yeah, seeing them getting involved and um, and and it was just something uh, fun to do as well. Um, like obviously gave them some, gave something for, for us all to to target, but um, it took the pressure off a little bit rather than thinking. I, oh, I mean, some of them hit like five k's or ten k loop courses, but um, but it yeah, it sort of um, taking that pressure off. I think made that or in, increased that enjoyment aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and, and selecting the loops was, um, was also a bit of fun. Like I had uh, Amy and Luke who are up in Brisbane. They've actually they've signed up a couple of months ago because of with COVID and not being able to get into the gym. So they've, they're um, they quite into the CrossFit and they're um, obviously right into the gym and they've kind of transitioned across to doing a bit more running and, and got in touch with us and been working with them for the last sort of six weeks. And they were over to slice a minute off there. 5K PBs. They went and did it at their usual park run location. Um, You know, Andrew uh, down in Castle, Maine, he, he he was actually, uh, it's been tough for him because he'd signed up this year with some, some goals around the great ocean road uh, marathon. um, And then he wanted to do New York marathon. So a lot of the obviously races now up in, in limbo. So he, we actually have recently been just scaling the program back towards just that 10K. And when he signed up, he had PV at 46 minutes. And we thought, Let, let's just try and get down to low 40s. Ended up running 39.58, uh, cracked out a huge PV. So that was just really that's- exciting.
0: Wow, that's an impressive, impressive run.
1: Yeah, and he, it wasn't an easy loop. Like, yeah, it's not a loop I would have chosen for <laughs> a 10K time trial, myself, you know, solo. But, yeah, kudos to him.
0: One a real challenge.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, even, in fact, up in Bendigo, um, I know one of Andy Buchanan's athletes, Luke Milko Miller, uh, broke 10 minutes uh, in beast country on a tough loop around the famous wedge course um, that you might see pop up on Strava uh, quite a lot.
1: So, yeah, he went sub 10 over 3K. So, that was a, yeah, he's had a really uh, impressive, like he had some track PBs earlier this year. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's been on fire. Mm, that's a great result. Shannon, uh, one of my athletes, she snagged a big PB also in the 10K. We, we were talking about courses during the week, uh, myself and Shannon just plotting out where we could do it. And we... we Ended up going for Inner City option, She's based in Melbourne, around the Yarra, and we did a multi multi lap course, just because mm-hmm. in in some races uh, previously Shannon's had some issues just pacing um, herself, and we were able to use the two lap as a as a bit of a way to maybe just pull back on the first lap and then push push through on the second lap, and yeah, it went went really well for Shannon. She ran a PB over the ten in fifty one forty five. And it's just, it's been really, it's rewarding to see that for Shannon because she has actually had some niggles of late, um, worked on a few things and got on top of it and yeah, paid off.
0: Awesome, And yeah, then we had, um, had some variations across some loops as well and that's what I think was part of the beauty about um, having this as, as our event. Um, and one of those was Supreth over in Texas, um, coached by Jack Davies. Uh, he knocked out a mile and ended up breaking six minutes. Uh, and that's the first time he's done that in basically eight, eight to nine years. So, yeah, huge yeah, well, result, Saprith.
1: Yeah, there. that's awesome for Sabreth. Yeah, and I know Sabreth mm. listens, So, uh, yeah, all the way over in Texas. So, um, great work from Saprith. Yep. And uh, actually, back to Benigo because um, you, you actually coached Troy H- Hukins over there.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Troy. Um. Yeah. He sort of come from the, the weightlifting background, um, and he's really yeah, taking, taking on board the, this running caper um, extremely well. Um, and, yeah, he he wanted to have a – or we sort of organised and, and planned a couple of weeks out from – he's really targeting this uh, a 10K. And, yeah, we wanted to have a bit of a 5K hit out in the lead up to that 10K. And he had this – yeah, had we had a goal of um, smashing through 24 minutes. Um, yeah, and he managed to do it, and that ended up – being a three-minute PB for him. Um, So he's looking good for uh, the 10K in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, Sarah also decided to choose a 5K for her hot lap, targeting the Parkville Park Run, and actually knocked out her first sub-20 around that particular course, which was just so good to see. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Yeah, and it's just – it is great seeing the results. And like everyone who who had a crack, um, yeah, it's just – everyone's a different – Parts in their, their sort of running mm. journey. So for some of my athletes, we just we actually opted just to do it as a session or as a workout or just working back into it. So yeah, it is yeah. As, as much as we love celebrating these big PVs, it's also just we're just mindful also that yeah people are in different different spots in their programs yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: and that's why that's personalised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had like Jenner and Phil up in Brisbane, um, and they've just come off uh, the back of having a, a half hit out, um, one of the races that they were planning on doing and it got canceled. So yeah, they, were, they enjoyed having a crack um, up, in, up in Brisbane as did uh, Talia and uh, Katie. And yeah, so even got some CRs along the way. Um, yeah, even one of uh, Jenna's comments and I really feel it was a common theme throughout um, the event was that she was really happy with it. Also um, oh, really happy with the pace um, that she had and, and found that it was lots of fun. Um, and I think that was backed up with uh, the Mayor of Horsham, uh, previous guest, sauce, who moved up to third on the list of uh, one of Horsham's most tightly held CRs uh, with yeah. his blistering face around the, uh, yeah, the, the bridge-to-bridge lap over there.
1: Yeah, big one from sauce. yeah. What a champion. Mm. Hey, um, Gemma, also, geez, um, gee, some of her athletes and absolutely carved it up. I know Gary, he's coming off an injury and he just, just went out and held um, sub four minute K. So yeah, that's a, that's a great, great to see him on the return. Mm-hmm. And uh, another, another one of our Brisbane legends, um, Dave, he just went out and just crash, casually crushed. Uh, he's, he went for a 2.63 K, uh, seg, must have been a segment he was uh, hunting. So Surely. random distance, <laughs> and uh yeah, it seemed to he he got after that one, and also one, another one of gemma's uh, athletes laura laura she she had a red hot dip and uh as she builds towards her ten k and she went after it and, and got a really good result there,
0: yep, yeah, and no, I was just seeing all the um the insta stories and and whatnot that uh run to be got tagged in and it was great to see the... Yeah, the event really took off, and, and everyone got involved and, and supported each other with the event.
1: Yeah, it was, and, and there's, there's more ahead as we as we keep navigating through with with no real certainty around races. We'll just um, we'll continue to have uh, some milestones along the way in terms of virtual races, and hopefully, as we get more info around where the park run opens up again around different parts of Australia, we can start to plan a bit more around those.
0: Yep, absolutely. And you, uh, following on,
1: yeah. So you go. Following
0: our chat, we've got Sammy Shoe Dog, Zaka.
1: Yeah, great to have Sammy back again. I know we, um, we had a raven response from the listeners when he came first up, first uh, episode, and yeah, great to have him back to talk all things shoes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, um, with sort of the the new shoe technologies coming out and a lot of brands about to drop some new shoes yeah we thought it'd be what better time it would be to to catch up again so we'll throw across to our to our chat with sammy now
1: sammy mclean great to have you back here for another segment of shoe chat how you going sammy
2: yeah guys akka yeah good to be back for The second episode. Episode good to know I didn't get the boot after the first one. So yeah, keep the keep the ball rolling.
1: And we've got mattress as well joining us. How are you, Matt?
0: Yeah, good mate. Good, good. Yeah, excited to hear um, some of these responses from Sammy because I'm looking to update my shoe wardrobe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're always in the market for shoes. Yep, never have too many shoes. That's good. I'm noticing there's a lot of, like, you know, the last few years, it's just been amped up, um, you know, year on year, the amount of shoes coming in and different types of shoes. It's It must be a pretty exciting time in the shoe industry for you, Sammy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, all our listeners would probably be well aware of all the carbon-plated technology that's currently, you know, in the retail sector at the moment. Um you know, some brands are already up to like their second and third generation models in that that category. Others are, you know, just recently releasing their first carbon-plated model. Yeah, you know, obviously, a lot of that's got to do with when the Olympics would have been been on and brands launching for them. Um, but probably what's just as as exciting as these carbon-plated shoes is their like their second-tier models that sit just below that that high-performance model. Um, you know, th- these shoes are probably a little bit more durable. Um, you're getting some of the similar kind of characteristics and traits out of those top model shoes, but they probably just suit a broader um, market of runners, which is, yeah, really exciting. Um, so, you know, you're almost seeing brands now release like a portfolio of two or three shoes, and, and within that th- those three shoes, you'll get, Some similar aspects and features but a slightly different function out of them so you might get one shoe that's like your daily trainer your next shoe that's like your fast tempo shoe and then your race shoe but you know they they all might look a little bit similar and have some similar features to them but a slightly different function so I reckon that's that's pretty cool that you know you could you could go into a shop and and get three shoes from the same brand and they all look a bit the same and um, you know, you're know you ticking all the boxes there
1: with your shoe rotation. So like, so gone are the days of the, the old where it was just, you had your heavies at and, and a, and a racing flat and that was it. You know, you, you pretty much your daily trainer and then you, you're into your flats on your on your race day or hard sessions. Just- yeah. And I mean, we, we probably touched on that a little bit in the first
2: episode when we talked about the different categories of, of shoes when we, talked about the supportive shoes the neutral shoes the lightweight training options and then your racing flats and and um you know performance type shoes but yeah now we're getting like almost this real subcategory of those tempo tempo shoes and you know a lot of brands are even calling those models tempo like you you'll see new balance has got a tempo and uh books has got a tempo so mm yeah i I almost feel like these shoes just serve the the general population maybe a little bit better than some of those those really high stack kind of quite light unstable racing shoes um yeah yeah yeah. and
0: and you know then sort of um looking at what sort of shoes would suit particular sessions because i'd uh, I mean, thinking about jumping back, I haven't hit too many sessions on the grass. And when I used to jump on the grass, I'd I'd pull the spikes on. But um, yep. yeah. I don't think my Achilles or calves are really going yeah. uh, <laughs> to uh, hold up to uh, any any sort of spike work these days. So, yeah, what yep. sort of suggestion would you have around if I was to to jump on the grass for a session?
2: Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, look, I I mean, I reckon in like a general way that. The faster you're going in the session, it's almost like the more sensory information or more proprioception of the foot that you want when you're doing the session. So, you know, let's say you know you've got the grass there, you've already you're already getting some some cushioning from the surface. So you, the last thing you want is a shoe that's probably got cushion because then you're going to be losing some of that. That sensory information that your foot's giving you, because your, your foot's just going to be too soft and sinking into the surface. Um, so you probably want something that's, you know, quite firm, um, almost like a racing flat. Like I think racing flats uh, serve people pretty well on the grass. Um, you know, like you can feel where your foot is hitting the ground, you can feel your toes like splaying in the shoe and pushing off and you know if your if your foot is feeling that you're probably getting the the best capacity that you can from from your foot function um you know like I actually did some 500s this morning on on the local oval and and I wore a a shoe like it was a a softer shoe it was a tempo shoe and I felt early into the session like it was great but then I like started finding a bit more rhythm in the session and was going faster and it, it actually became almost too slow for the session. Um, like my, my forefoot was just not kind of moving off the grass as well as it could have. Um, yeah. So I reckon, you, you you know, you probably want to look at a shoe that's that's relatively firm and light. Um, and, and probably the other thing with sessions that are on like a circular um, you know, oval or, or a track is a shoe that holds you well across your midfoot and under under your arch. Like, I'm not sure if you guys have ever felt when you're, you know, running around a bend, if you're in a shoe that doesn't kind of lock you down well, you, you almost start pushing laterally and medially into yeah. the shoe. Like, like, your foot's just becoming a bit unstable in the footbed. Mm. Yeah, So so, you know, when you're looking at the upper of your shoe around that lacing system, often you'll see some stitching and it might just look like an aesthetic part of the shoe, but often that stitching provides a bit of a, like a secure lockdown feel over your midfoot and under your arch. And that's, I reckon that's quite a good feature when you're, you know, you're going around in circles.
0: Yeah. And what about say if you were um, doing a long run and you wanted a bit of a pickup at the end and you, and you felt like, you, you really wanted to nail that pickup, so you want to get out of your, your heavy shoes and, and you want to um, jump into something a little bit faster. Like I did it the yep. other day in the, in the TNCs, and that felt pretty good. Is that something you'd, you'd recommend
2: to you like that? Yeah, anymore? yeah. So that's probably like an example where you're trying to get that right mix of, you know, because the surface is obviously a lot harder than the grass, you know, you, you're probably going to need a little bit more of that cushion underfoot, but you still want some element of like a responsive feel from the shoe because you are trying to go a little bit, a little bit faster. So it's almost like that you want that perfect balance of that cushion and responsiveness and that, that shoe that you mentioned there, Maddie, the new balance T and C, I mean, that's, that's a really good example of a shoe that you could use for a faster long run um, that, that might be on that harder surface. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. How are you finding them?
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. enjoyed them. Um, the one thing I found that um, because they're quite soft, um, my Achilles got a little bit sore um, sure. after, the, yeah. after it. And whether that's because I did a little bit too much straight away in them, um, didn't build up to it, or I usually put um, it was my left side, and I usually have a heel raise in, and I didn't put a heel raise in. So, sure. Um, okay. That
2: was, yep. Yeah. yeah, and that that softness aspect of the shoes. Like going back to that point earlier about the proprioception of your foot, like, like the softer you go in a shoe, generally you, you're giving up some of that, that sensory information from your foot. So, so you know, you might, you know you, your Achilles might have just been hitting the ground you know, a little bit harder than you realise because you mm-hmm. know, there's so much cushion there that yeah. your foot almost goes to sleep a little bit. You know, like you get a little bit lazy almost in what your foot's doing in the shoe. Yeah, so there's yeah, yeah. so like
0: there's, or, or, it. at the time there was no. I I didn't feel it was. Yeah, that that night I think it might have been like oh, it's a little bit grumpy today. I wonder if that's yep. what had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that makes sure. Sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always um. It's I always find that long run slash pick or pick up run in there you know doing it as a marathon type session. Yeah, picking that shoe that not not your racing flat, but something in between seems to be. Yeah, I've always over the years and it's great now with this technology that's come on board that um, there is shoes available for it.
2: Yeah, and you almost like before your sessions want to have a quick little, almost like a guideline that you're like two or three questions to yourself like what's the purpose of this session? How fast am I going? And maybe trying to match that up with what's the safest shoe. And when I say safe, like I don't mean what shoe is going to stop you rolling your ankle. Safe as in like, what's going to allow me to pull up the next day and get out of bed and run, you know, run again. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do as runners, isn't it? Like mm. do the session, wake up the next day, run again. So, so the, um, yeah, choosing the kind of safest shoe for
1: for where you're at for that session's a, a big part of it. Um, yeah. So just on that, so as carbon, like a carbon shoes almost become a norm that you going forward will pretty much be doing sessions with shoes with a carbon plate in them and then all racing in them?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think because they're so rigid, um, again, you are giving up a little bit of maybe the feeling that you might get in that forefoot. Mm. Like I've, I've personally experienced if I run too long in like a carbon shoe on a, like a longer tempo, um, you know, my toes almost go to sleep a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean some people might like that almost like the lever feel that a carbon shoe gives them. But yeah, so there's I think there's always pros and cons to how you're using a shoe. Um like like Maddie, you like Gemma um mentioned she had a bit of an experience in the TNC with one of her fartlek sessions. What what was the context there?
0: Yeah, so she found that um that yeah, at the start they were they were fine, but yeah, getting towards a, it was sort of about half an hour session, and so getting towards the, the middle portion of the session, that she found that like the shoes just felt so heavy. Um, whereas, say, if she pulled on the the racing flats, were a lot lighter. Um, yeah, so I guess that 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 change in the feeling um, of those shoes sort of, um, I, I, yeah made it feel like the session was a lot harder because of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And look, some of those like um, carbon plated shoes, I think are much better when they're, you're almost just at the same pace in them. Whereas if you were doing like some type of fartlek session where you're going faster and slower, Mm -hmm. they don't handle Yeah, yeah, sure. So they don't kind of handle that slower speed very well. Um, So even within that session, like the, using that that term again that sensory information like your foot's almost getting misinformation within the session so when you're going fast you you know your foot's working well but when you're going slow in that shoe your movements are probably getting potentially a little bit lazy in it um so yeah I, and zacka that kind of touches on your question about the carbon shoes like i think you know if for the same pace and, and so forth, I think they're really good. But when you're mixing up the paces, mm. maybe that's where a, a flat or a lightweight trainer might actually um, serve you, you, you serve you better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly, Matt, Mattress and and Sammy, have you guys run a marathon yeah. yet in, in a carbon shoe? Uh, Matt, you ran Melbourne la, what last year?
0: Yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. I ran. I ran it in um, the
1: next percent. Yep. Next percent. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, no, that
0: was. Um, I found that, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um,
1: yeah. I've only Great. ever gone 10K in them. So I haven't actually, yeah, I've done a 10K up in Gold Coast. I did a.
0: Oh, how'd you go there? Yeah.
1: Um, I can't it? remember the result. I'll have to, um, yeah, I think they've been erased. I think they, the website's down at the moment. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what it's like over the i because I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about, um, what it's like from you know that responsiveness um, that you get. I, I know it it doesn't do all the work, but um, you know no that. But you K can onwards, imagine yeah yeah yeah. But you
2: can imagine then if you kind of um, incorporated that shoe too often into your training, like if a shoe is doing a bit bit of the work for you, which is a good thing race day. If you apply <laughs> that 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 same kind of scenario to a training session maybe you do lose a little bit of um, like that that foot function and, and feel that you need to kind of operate at full capacity when you're training. So, yeah, I think, I think there's kind of pros and cons. Like the furthest I've actually gone in the next percent is 10K. Um, I haven't yet done a, a marathon in them. So I'd be curious. I mean, look, I think the next percent is definitely a shoe that the further you go in it, the the better it, the functionality of it is for the person. Um, whereas I think there's probably some other models now that that might suit people a bit better for 10k and half marathon in some of the other carbon plated models, which is really cool. Yeah, um, and and I reckon we're not very far away from brands pretty much saying like like they might have five or six carbon plated shoes, and it's like this is your 5k shoe, this is your 10k shoe, and really matching up the shoe to a distance and and pretty much going it's. It's going to be good for five k, but any longer, it's not.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's great. yeah, plenty of yeah, yeah, plenty of good stuff around. Mm. Actually, just on that, we had a, we actually had a listener question around. I mean, it's more around his, um, and this is from Rolly, a run to PB athlete, and sure. he he sent this question in, it and um, I'll read it out it's a little bit longer. It says, "Is there any point in is there a point at which a general purpose training shoe becomes too heavy?" At 325 grams, the Keanos, Asic-Gel Keanos, they start to feel cumbersome towards the end of a long run, which means that I feel like they're only really good for shorter, easy runs. Would you look at doing your runs in a tempo shoe? Or do you look for a lighter pair of heavies that can maybe handle a wide range of paces? Or the third part of the question is, or could you get some sort of adaptive benefit from lugging 325 grams? Uh, you know, on your shoes over 20 mm. K. Cool, so yeah. <laughs> a few bits. Another good
2: it. long question from Rolly. Yeah. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in a general sense, like the whole industry is slowly moving away from those heavy supportive shoes. Cause what, what we do know now with enough research through injuries and research and development with brands and their technologies that, like, we don't want to intervene too much in what the foot's trying to do when it runs. Like, we're just, you know, we're trying to go from A to B. We're trying to hit the ground and get off the ground as, as, as efficiently and, and as fast as we can. And I think those heavier shoes, you know, in a nutshell, they keep your foot on the ground longer. So it's, it's kind of um, getting in the way of what your foot wants to do. And when you look at the leg, like the legs, it's kind of like a lever in the way that it's it's going forward and back through your leg cycle, through the gait cycle. So if you put something relatively heavy on the end of that, like a 330-gram shoe, it, again, it's kind of intervening with what your your foot's trying to do. Mm. So, yeah, like I, I would be probably recommending for, for Roly that he, yeah, goes away from those. You know the heavier structured shoes, and just more into a, you know, like there's so many good daily trainers now that sit around 250, 260 grams, um, and like that doesn't sound much difference, but it actually is. Like if you picked up a 330 gram shoe and a 260 gram shoe, you'll really notice the difference in that weight. Yeah. What yeah, was, was the other part to that question, guys? Sorry, the. Uh,
1: oh, and you just sort of mentioned uh, about yeah um if there was any actual benefit if you were to say running in heavier shoes over the longer longer runs that maybe you know you you're actually you know, working harder, so when you get down into a lighter shoe you might have a you know you might feel fresher or it might be easier
2: yeah, probably not yeah
1: yeah i think um
2: i think i mean look and our almost like our philosophy at the shop when we fit people is to get you into the lighter shoe for what works for where you are where you're at currently with your running. Okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, like what we do know about lighter shoes is from all the research, there's there's less chance of getting injured actually in a lighter shoe than a heavier shoe. Um, yeah. I'd I'd love to be able to quote some papers on that, but I don't have any <laughs> in front of me. But but I do know from, you know, obviously reading a lot of podiatry stuff yeah. and that that, you know, generally speaking the lighter the shoe will, will function better for someone. And yeah. So Oh well, no! Um,
0: if I head up to Fernie and it's been raining and muddy and all that, and yep. yeah, you, you get halfway through your run and Eric and your shoes have doubled in weight almost. They've got that much mud on them. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and yeah, pull up so much more sore after a run, and you like can that. feel
2: it, can't you? Like you can actually <laughs> just feel, even when your shoes get wet on a run, and you can feel that they're just suddenly a little bit heavier and slappier, and how that that interferes with just that you know, your, your natural gait cycle with how your foot wants to run. Yeah. Mm. So I'd be pretty safe to say that in two years, if you walk into a running shop, I, I'd be really surprised if there's a shoe on the shelf that will weigh more than 300 grams. Like, like I'd say, a 280 will probably be about the heavy, heaviest type shoe you'll see on the shelf. Mm. Um, and who knows, we may not even see these kind of motion control supportive shoes. We might just have this... Big category of neutral shoes that offer a little bit of stability, but nothing like what we've currently got on offer. Yeah, which is, I think, it's a good thing. Yeah,
1: fantastic, mate. Well, thanks for coming on and um, yeah, just shining a light on on all these all things shoes. It's uh, yeah, really nice to have you on. Good to chat. (laughs) And next
2: time we can yeah, again just talk a bit more about some models and um, go through a few more listener questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, hey, Sammy. Okay. Yeah, cheers, guys. Chat
1: soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye. Always great to catch up with Sammy. He's so insightful and informative with his, with his shoe chat and you can just hear the passion in his voice. Like, I mean, I love running and I don't really love shoes as much as Sammy, but I just always learn so much about what, you know, what goes into the shoes and choices. And, yeah, it's, there's so much to learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I took a lot away from, um, I always take a lot away from when Sammy talks about the shoes and yeah, I can um, really guide my choice um, of what shoes I'd like to, like to purchase next.
1: For sure. Right? Mattress this week for the interview, you actually got a chance to sit down with Katie Dell. I know she's uh super busy. Um, yeah. You know, she's a director and of a, uh, health and fitness industry business. So COVID's obviously affected things there. And her season last year, you were able to unpack that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So she had a really great 2019 season. Um, and then also started her running season 2020 um, exceptionally well. Um, but obviously after everything shut down, um, yeah, sort of um, impacted that. So yeah, it was really good to, to catch up and, and go through uh, some of her races from last year. Um, and, and early this year. And yeah, and also obviously yeah, chat, chat about how COVID-19 has, has affected her business and sort of innovations they've put in to, um, yeah, make sure everything's still running and, and running smoothly. So yeah, let's hear, hear from Katie. On the 27th of July, 2019, run to PB athlete Katie Dell lined up for the inaugural Guzzler Ultra ready to take on the 50 kilometres worth of adventure around some of Brisbane's most spectacular and challenging trails. A hardworking mum, business owner and personal trainer, Katie had a lot to juggle in order to fit her training in, including even some 3am starts. But it all paid off when she smashed her goal time and placed third female, which really ignited a string of outstanding results. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show one of my athletes who was never afraid to have a crack always gets the work done, and really reaping the rewards from all that hard work she's putting in. Welcome to the show, Katie Dow. Thank you. Well, wasn't looking forward to catching up and um, yeah, going through the ins and outs of your, of your running journey. And um, so you signed up to run to PB in April last year, and after catching the running bug since taking up triathlons in 2009, so what was it about running that initially took your fancy?
3: Um, I think it's um, the fact that you can simply lace up and run out the door Um, you don't have doing triathlon obviously um, the logistics are a bit more complicated Um, having to have a bike um, and then having to get to the pool I found it quite challenging um, especially after having my daughter in 2011 Um, and I think when I was doing triathlon the thing that I loved the most was running Um, it was always felt the most natural to me Mm.
0: And then you ended up going to the uh, triathlon world champs and and represented New Zealand. Um, so that was in London and Chicago.
3: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I, I represented New Zealand in my age group. Um, yeah, in London, I think 2013, in Chicago, in 2015.
0: Awesome. How would you go? Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Um. In London, I did the sprint distance because um, our daughter was still quite young, so um, the, obviously the training um was quite challenging in the lead-up, but um, yeah, and also also the the conditions um, in London can be also very challenging. So I ended up being quite wet the day I raced, which was quite, I was quite nervous on the bike because there were a lot of people coming off, yeah. Um, And um, yeah, but the experience is absolutely amazing, being up to, you know, wear your um, national colours and meet other athletes over there. Um, And yeah, and see the world. Um, 2015, I did the Olympic distance in Chicago and, yeah Chicago would be one of my favorite places that I've visited in the world, and um, yeah, just had that opportunity to um and even yeah in the training and the lead up and doing those qualifying races um, it's pretty exciting
0: mm, absolutely that would be, yeah such a good experience, a lot you would have learned from and yeah I think we've got a, a few people who have come through from the triathlon background and and like you say' it's trying to fit in the three different disciplines the the time around that is is so big, but yeah obviously you found um that joy out of out of running itself, um, but you still get around on the bike though.
3: When you when yes. you're there and not being stolen. Yes, <laughs> yes, a little bit. Yeah, I've had a few bikes stolen. Um, yeah, I've got my road bike back, and I do love the social aspect of road cycling. Um, so I do try and do a, a bit of a bit of that. Um, mainly yeah, just to catch up with friends, have coffee, mm. and um, yeah, it is nice to see different parts of Brisbane as well.
0: Yep, awesome. And now. Something that I really value is is setting goals and gives you that sort of focus and motivation uh, like you're heading towards something. Now, when you signed up to run to bb uh, what really caught my attention was the fact you had some clear set goals that you wanted to achieve. And do you find having goals is, is vital and something that you really try to um, think about and prepare?
3: Yes, yeah, I definitely... Um think well as part of my job of, with my clients I'm always saying to them you know you, you, for motivation you know you need to set some clear goals as to where you want to be you know it should be more than just wanting to lose weight um, you know it's always good to aim for something and I'm, I'm always trying to convince my clients to maybe try running and, and aim for an event um, because it does help provide that motivation and that discipline and then that becomes a routine and it, it kind of changes people's lifestyles for the better. Um, so yeah, for me, having goals is really important and then having someone to keep me accountable is also really important. Mm, yeah, makes sense.
0: Um, and, and of those goals you listed, you listed four of them for sort of 2019, 2020, and three of them you managed to achieve and one unfortunately got cancelled due to the terrible fires that struck the area. Um, one of those races was Brisbane's largest ultra trail event, the Guzzler 50 kilometre. So you went in with a goal of breaking six hours 30, um, which would have been a one-hour PV. Um, so physically and mentally, what did you do or, or what did you find best prepared you for the race?
3: Um, I'm going to give you a plug here, Maddie, because <laughs> I think having having you, um, like having gone come on board with you, coaching me, and that was my, my first big goal. Um, being coached by you, I've just found um, – it took all the guesswork out of the training and the lead up and I would have been quite hard on myself with not being able to hit the trails as much as I um, felt like I needed to, to to perform well in a trial race. So, I mean, I think I was only hitting the trails once a week on a Sunday um, for yeah. my long run, but everything else you were able to um, sort of um, uh, tailor for me on, but on the road just because I and have the time to get out to the trails during the week. So that was definitely one thing um, when I went in, I felt the most relaxed I'd ever felt about a race. Like I didn't have um, the nerves or the doubts as what I would before other races. Um, and then also I think like being a local race was really good because I was able to do things normally like before a long run. So I was able to sleep in my own bed, have a normal meal at home, and then eat a normal breakfast on um, the morning of the race. So I found, yeah, I think that was definitely the, they were the key sort of factors for me.
0: Yep, yep, yeah, and I think, um, and it is like trying to fit in um, the training around like your lifestyle and where you work and where you live and trying to get the most out of yourself. And I think you really did, and and you did have an amazing day out. You came away with that one hour PB, achieving that goal of sub six hours thirty, and scored a third place. Um. That was yeah such a good run and so inspiring i reckon. and how how did you um how did the race pan out for you
3: um yeah really well um it's quite quite a challenge you know the first segment you're running uphill um and um i i went out pretty hard um and tried to you know run the whole way up up that first trail um but yeah quite quickly i think people realized especially the males um that it was actually a really quite a warm day. No one was expecting the humidity. The humidity was, I think, close to around 90, 95%. Um, and it, it's a winter race. Well, I think it's, when was it? Ah, uh, July. Um, yep. July, yep. July, yeah,
0: so, yep.
3: yeah. Um, so, yeah, it really surprised a lot of people. Um, and, yeah, there were quite a few um, that didn't finish because of that, or had severe cramping. Um, so, my nutrition, my actual nutrition plans that went out the window. I'd, made all these all this food, like, you know, i done potatoes and everything to eat. Um and had like cliff bars, planning on eating them because I use them in training a lot. And I actually ended up taking on a lot of the um aid station um nutrition they had, which was the tailwind. Mm. Um and yeah, it was just weird. Like my body just craved that and I was like, this is a bit risky because I haven't really used this in training, but it was really diluted and it was amazing. So I found yeah, I definitely had to really think about having a lot more fluid than what I would have normally um because you were sweating a lot more um and I think yeah I just took each segment as it came I wasn't I didn't do a lot of training on the course so I I was taken by surprise with some of the segments um where you had to actually hike a lot of it um a lot of it was not runnable and I found that really hard because I wasn't used to that I'm used to just running up the hill so yeah my glutes were on fire and um yeah, I just took each um checkpoint to checkpoint um as it came um and just um I think slowly sort of picked a few people off and um just tried to tried to stay really positive. So the aid stations were absolutely amazing. They actually different running groups volunteer on the aid stations and they compete against each other to so see you can have the best aid station. So that's both with the food that they prepare, um, as well as um all the support and the chairs and everything. So um yeah, I just um I think yeah. All in all, like it was just a, a, a race that um, just one of those good days where everything kind of went to plan. Mm,
0: yeah, and uh, I've uh, I don't think it was just uh, for the for the camera um, throughout that was uh, well a few cameras throughout the race, but I saw pretty much every photo that I've seen of you during the race. You're smiling and just enjoying the moment, and I think that really relates to you being such like a, a, a positive person. And obviously this day was was a great day. And is that something that you um, do during your races, is, is smile and make sure you enjoy it? Or
3: Yeah, I've le- and I've learned that through a few other like athletes that I sort of look up to in elites that, you know, they say, you know, just smile through the pain. Like, it <laughs> doesn't help <laughs> if you're frowning, you know, like, so, um, and I also really feed off other athletes. Um, so there were quite a few doing the 100K that day, and you know hats off to them they were obviously it was gonna be a tough day for them in the heat and the humidity um and they started before us about half an hour before us. so i was passing a lot of them and just you know giving them a good you know, pat on the back sort of thing like saying they're doing really well and i yeah i definitely feed off other athletes and they're yeah, coming across a few guys that were cramping you know checking on them as well like i really that helps me get through knowing that we're kind of all in it together and yeah a smile goes a long way i think
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and it was definitely shown. um in those photos that I've seen of the race. Um, and now your next target race, I feel, brought about an absolute sort of roller coaster of emotions. And I'd really like to, like to take a bit of a dive into how you maintain your composure and stay focused. Um, so the target was the Coastal High 50 Kilometre Ultra Trail event. Uh, pretty much your big goal for the year. But unfortunately, tra- tragedy struck and uh, some fires moved through the Lamington National Park and, and the race had to be cancelled. Um, and you had such um, a good amount of momentum building into this race uh, but how did you work through this time with the, the um, with that race cancellation?
3: Um, yeah well it was literally like cancelled um, the day before like I actually had my car packed up ready to drive down with my friend um, and I got the call from my friend saying um, the race has been cancelled um, and so it was a bit of a shock because I was so excited about going down and I'd planned to stay at the Lodge with some friends at the tri-running um, group. And I was going to stay there Saturday night, which I hadn't done before. I've done the race twice before. I was going to stay down there and um, we were going to, you know, sit around the campfire, blah, 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 um, and have, have a good time. And so I was really excited about that factor as well. Um, and then, so, yeah, obviously, like, it was a real downer when, when. It got cancelled um so the actual lodge was actually still communicating and saying that it was good to go down for the weekend if you still wanted to go even though the rest was cancelled and um sadly Benavarra Lodge actually burnt down that weekend so they had to evacuate on that afternoon so um a lot of people that were going to go down actually didn't end up they were turned back so yeah I sort of yeah I was in sort of I don't know, mentally, I felt quite deflated about it, you know, a huge build-up, all the work. Yep. Um, and then someone had mentioned that there was another race on, um, which was a midnight marathon. Uh, it was an ultra, a 50K, um, and it's called the River Run. And, yeah, it's just around um, sort of the city streets or around South Bank and Kangaroo Point in Brisbane. Um, and so, yeah, I actually... I actually messaged the organizers directly and said look this is what's happened do you have any spots you know available i can sign up for and they they did so yeah i um never done anything like it before and i just got up actually i don't even know if i had much of a nap, I had a nap. Up <laughs> and, I
0: had,
3: and i had a dinner i had a 40th dinner to my you know, 50th dinner to go do.
0: Oh.
3: and I went along to that and they even thought I was mad. I'm like, I'm actually, I've got a race at midnight tonight. (laughs) i (laughs) have got an hour sleep. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. And I didn't really sleep very well. I knew I had to get up. So, yeah, I um, went down there by myself. It was a really bizarre kind of atmosphere um, and just set to it. So it was laps and my body was definitely not used to running. Like it wasn't prepared to run 50Ks on concrete. So that's what I found really challenging. But it was just so cool to do something different and um, the fact that I got to use some of the fitness. And mm. um, yeah, so it was really, yeah, unique. And, and yeah, again, like a lot of support from other people and, you know, doing the laps, you know, um, seeing, you know, same people and just giving them some um, support along the way.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And no, like that's, that's like, yeah, that's where the roller coaster sort of came in with those emotions. Like you go from being, um, yeah, having that goal and and putting all the work in to having the race cancelled to then um yeah being a bit deflated but then going oh yeah well i got the opportunity here to to use the fitness and how did you end up going for the for the ultra
3: midnight um, yeah I was actually the first first overall across the line and then there was another 50k at in the morning like at 6am or was it, it was the morning one um, and so I think um, there were, I think, two men that came across the line before, like in a quicker time than I did um, but I was first female overall
0: yep yep and yeah you went through a year of split do you remember what your split was for the marathon
3: well, I can't remember now <laughs> three
0: hours 47
3: uh, was it yep. okay yep yeah.
0: yeah so that's like yeah for um, yeah a race at midnight <laughs> And then, um, yeah, that I reckon that was such an impressive way um, or like mindset change that that you went through and and, and able to work through that situation. Um, yeah, that was that was really impressive.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a, a good experience. Yeah, so unique.
0: Yep. And then you, yeah, obviously missing that goal race. Um, you decided to have a, another crack at a fifty-kilometer ultra trail, the Blackall Fifty, and again yep. you. Um, yet yeah, you really lifted for this occasion and finished fifth female and dropped your time to five hours 47. Um, so how can you describe this race?
3: Um, yeah, I, I went in for some reason with really fatigue. My legs felt really heavy. Um, again, the humidity was crazy. Um, and it was also touch and go ahead of this race, whether it was gonna go ahead because of the bushfire risk. Mm. So I think they did change parts of the course and. Um, it was it's a magical race though that um it's been around for a while and um, it's a really cool location. Um mm. up on the Sunshine Coast Hinterland. Um they do like an Aboriginal like um blessing before the event the night before. So it's pretty cool. Um and yeah, I went out like at the starting my legs just felt so heavy and I wasn't sure why. Um and the humidity was close to 100% as I was climbing the full range at around the 21k mark. Um, And you could just feel this pressure coming in. um, And we had a massive storm. And it was quite crazy because you read in the race briefing what to do if a thunderstorm hits. And I'm thinking, I I don't even know, like, am I supposed to be crouching down? (laughs) Are these trees going to get struck by lightning? And, but it was honestly the most beautiful thing because that's what, that forest had been needing and craving for so long he had just oh. it was absolutely torrential the rain and it was very it was quite a relief as well because everyone was so hot mm. um so yeah that was a bit of a challenge like obviously um running through like some big puddles and then there was a section of mud or clay that just it was like you were like your legs felt like <laughs> you were in quicksand something like that it was that was really hard on the legs and that was in the last 15 k's of the event i think but again yeah i felt like i started off feeling quite average and sort of um didn't want to push too hard because i wasn't sure how my body was going to respond to then yeah finishing off really strong and again um uh, the great thing about trial races is that you do meet people along the way you're not going at a pace where you can't talk so i did meet some a group of like lovely men who were chatting with and I kept we kept playing um, cat and mouse because they would they would pass me on the downhills and I'd pass them on the uphills and anyway they ended up kept saying to me they're like here comes Miss Metronome ticking away here she comes and then yeah the last ten k's I sort of said see you later and um and left them behind <laughs> um, so that was really funny because they were just the nicest guys and um, I was able to cheer them across the line at the end yep. um, and- yeah um but yeah I felt like I finished finished quite strong and was really happy with yeah with the PB sort of time
0: yeah. Yeah, and that sort of um, closed out your year of um, of ultra um, running for, for last year. Um, but do you find that because you've got like um, the hills and, and like you said um, for the guzzler, like your um, glutes and that were really burning. But do you, and and we do, do we do some um, hill reps and, and some long runs over hills, um, like on the trails. Do you find that the strength work you do in between, like in the gym, has really helped with that too?
3: Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Um, it's just those little things that make a big difference. Um, so, yeah, obviously I love, I love working with runners and mm. we're always um, sort of working on those, like single leg, um, single arm exercises, making sure that there's no imbalances, um, it's a lot of stability work and yeah, a lot of a lot of core work. Um, I find that's really mm. important because a lot of people do. If they're not strong enough in their core, then they're going to get all that lower back pain Mm-hmm. um and it's amazing the amount like it's amazing how much you do use your upper body and your arms especially mm-hmm. in traveling getting up those hills so you do need to work on your upper body strength as well yep so yeah definitely doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be anything crazy but it's it's more sessions like 30 minute sessions that's all it takes
0: yep yep yeah that's what i think like if you look at the gym program and you've got like an hour or more you're like oh. yeah a would
3: rather a a run,
0: run. <laughs> whereas yeah if it's just half an hour like yeah i can spare that like I'll just spare that. Yeah. I can fit that in much easier. Yep. Um,
3: yeah, definitely.
0: And one of your, uh, or the last goal on your list was to break 20 minutes for a five kilometre park run. And so you signed up with a PB of twenty thirty. Um, and we had the plan of attacking it in February this year. Now, you really just didn't break it. You absolutely smoked it and you ran 19.09, um, nearly breaking 19, not just 20. So... Um, what was the feeling like crossing the line that day? Yeah,
3: it was it was pretty good. <laughs> um yeah, I think like yeah, I've kind of had a goal for maybe yeah, you know, two years um of breaking 20 minutes, but I've never been serious about it because I don't know, I just didn't feel like I had the confidence or um I didn't have the willpower to do it. Um I always kind of just doubted myself like but then obviously I properly went, okay, I'm gonna do this now. <laughs> um but even on the day I was sort of doubting myself, like I said to my friends, um I don't know, like I was making excuses already in my head, like I've had a big week or yeah, there was something that had happened and um, and yeah, my friends like, yeah, like Talia, my running partner, she was like, no, you, you, you can do it, you'll smash it. And it's just amazing, like the confidence you get when people like look at you and tell you that, that you know, you can definitely do it. And um, I've never, I've never felt, um, in a park run and in a 5K before, like that feeling of I was the like, first half, I just felt like I was floating, I was on my toes and just felt really good. And so that was an awesome feeling. And then obviously you'd told me beforehand, like, you know, you really you're gonna feel it in that second half. And straight away, like, yeah, my legs started, you know, tingling. And I just had to try and hold on. And I just tried to push as hard as I could for that last bit. And when I looked at my watch, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like. I, yeah, I didn't just break 20 minutes, like, <laughs> I was close to breaking 19 minutes, so, yeah, it's um, it was, yeah, such, I was on a bit of a high for quite a while after that.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, so you sort of went in not really looking at your watch as well, that was your plan too?
3: Yeah, yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't actually put my laps on, so I wasn't even, like, looking at my watch, I just set out just to push as hard as I could.
0: Mm. Do you think that helped on the day?
3: Yeah, definitely, because I think if I had... If I had looked down and I wasn't doing the pace I thought I was going to do, it would have um, mentally affected me a bit. And the other thing was that it just happened to be the day that I did it. They had paces, yeah. and so the twenty-minute pacer I ran out with him, and I felt because of the first half I felt so good. I felt I thought oh, maybe he's not doing the right pace. I'm just going to pass him, and then. Um, as someone else's watch beeped, I looked down at my watch and saw the pace. I went, oh, okay, this is actually feeling pretty good. So I think that gave me the confidence too. So even though I wasn't, didn't want to look at my watch, I couldn't help but look at it when someone else's watch beeped for that first K. Um, and then, so maybe that did give me the confidence. It's a bit of a tough one, I guess.
0: Yep. And yeah, I, I really think that like having that um, year of hitting those uh, 50K trail races and, and, and training for them, it gave you such good um, aerobic strength and then just needed to, and it took. I think it took a little bit, especially after that black hole, to sort of recover from those few few events. Um, but once yeah. you had recovered and managed to put some speed on top of that, um, that really helped. And, and obviously, yeah you, yeah, you put it all together on the day.
3: Yeah, I really enjoy the speed sessions that um, that you give me as well. Like I, they definitely make all the difference.
0: Yeah, um, enjoy seeing them pop up and, and seeing how well we go with them too um now i think what's um one of the really impressive things because you've got such a, a busy schedule is that you train like early morning we're talking 3am 4am um what and but you never have any complaints about it um and, and it is so impressive what what is it that you like most because you you're always like i'm I'm so excited to get this run out in the morning like what do you like most about training in in the early
2: morning
3: um i think it just for me it just sets me up for the whole day like running is more than just um fitness and you know health it's it's mental for me Mm. as well so it's running is my yoga basically and um especially when you're running at 4am or leaving the house at 3 45 in the morning it's such a still time of the day Mm. um and you know lucky enough to run through summer and see some spectacular sunrises but also in the winter i'm starting in the dark and i'm finishing in the dark but um if i don't run first thing i definitely don't feel as um calm and collected and happy i just i think i guess the endorphins that you get from running are amazing and um i like that i have the discipline to get up and, and do those runs um yeah and i always just feel so good afterwards just getting it done. And then, you know, obviously getting home and then getting ready and going and training my clients I always feel like, yep, I've done my session, you know, now it's time to train everyone else and make sure they're working hard too. Mm
0: -hmm. And do you get, do you get tired doing that?
3: Um, Yeah, but I think my body just gets used to it. I do always tell myself I need to get to bed earlier at night, but (laughs) I guess being a PT, you do some crazy hours. Um, And amongst that, obviously, you know, raising a child and getting everything else done and cooking and, housework so um but definitely the running helps me get everything else done like without i feel like um people would say you know i'm too busy to run i'm too busy to train i'm like if you actually because they're always tired if you actually did exercise and make it part a priority you would have more energy and you'd have more structure in your life like it really could be a part of everyone's life
0: yep absolutely that's a really good point yep and now you are a director and personal trainer at activate health and fitness which is a extremely successful business that is a multidisciplinary studio in the heart of Brisbane CBD. Um, how would you describe your business?
3: Um, yeah, well, um, we launched activate health and fitness back in 2017, um, with my business partner Pat and, um, our view was to, um, have a studio in the city for all the corporates, um, That was going to provide all the services that they needed in one, with a holistic approach and you know a view of you know a sustainable way to think about health and wellness. It's not just one discipline; it's a lot of different factors that that come about, especially for office workers that are usually highly stressed, working long hours, and sitting for long periods. So yeah, it's really rewarding seeing the benefit of people being able to come in and not just do personal training or small group fitness, but also to be able to utilise the physio massage um, and then also the dietitian services. Um, so yeah, it's obviously, it's something that we're still working on, still growing, trying to come up with different packages, different ways that we can help um, the corporates. Um, but it's been really well received and um, yeah, we, we really love it.
0: And what do you feel has made it so successful?
3: Um, I think it's the fact like, that we, we, we already had, um, uh, such a great sort of network in the city. And yeah, with um, Miles, our third director coming on board a year after we opened, it just went to the next level. Um, and yeah, he's a world-class physio- physiotherapist, really highly experienced being to the Olympics with some of the Australian team. And he's just, oh, we, we yeah, we, it's great because we have a great cross-section of corporates and also like athletes that will come into the studio. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just a well-rounded approach in the community, sort of community feel, even though we are in the city, we do, um, it is great to see so many people that we know that are from um, that either, you know, running networks, triathlon, um, just previous networks that we've established in the city. Mm,
0: yeah. Now, like, obviously, the um, COVID-19 has really uh, made some challenging times and especially for the personal training industry. Um, so what is the biggest challenge that your business has faced with that and, and how did you overcome it?
3: um yeah well we got basically told straight away that we couldn't run personal training services out of our studio as mm. most people know gyms were shut down. but because um dietitian services and physio services are deemed as an essential service that part of the studio was able to remain open which was a positive thing um and yeah massage was also unfortunately something that um we weren't able to do until up until two weeks ago um so yeah um it's really hard, yeah, on obviously the people that work in the studio and for us, um, and it was a bit of a stressful time at first, but we're lucky that we have support from our landlords They were able to sort of help us provide some um, rental relief at least. And then we just had to kind of think outside of the box, I guess. So um, Miles, our head physio and director, he was able to do a lot of telehealth um, uh sessions um over the phone for people that didn't want to come into the studio um and because of a lot of our a lot of our clients are normally working in the city but obviously we're based um out in their suburbs where they live um he was able to provide that service on um, on the phone as well as our dietitian renee mm. um and yeah for um the personal training side um it's been really amazing to see the support we've had from our existing clients so really positive and obviously they could you know they they would have seen like the health and fitness industries was probably hit the hardest um, or one of the hardest. And so a lot of them have been happy to, you know, jump onto FaceTime personal training. And it's been really positive for them too. I've had a lot of really great feedback from directors of companies that have said, you've helped us through this time, you know, it's been really hard on us. Also um, not being able to be in the city together, you know, as a team, um, being able to train, you know, a group of them on FaceTime and they're just doing it in their backyard or in the lounge, you know, like, you know, anywhere. And it doesn't matter. You know, I think it's made people actually rethink and I'm hoping that people do take on board some of the learnings from it of more balanced lifestyle and having more time to actually do fitness rather than sitting on a train or in a car, you know, mm. going to and from work and working long hours. Um, yeah. And um, for me, um, my community where I live in a city in Newstead, it's quite popular, a population-dense area with lots of apartments. And the community feel has been, like, it's been amazing. I didn't realise how good it was going to be. Um, I've been training people out in the local park. And just the fact, like, well, I see a lot of my running friends coming through. You know, everyone's saying hello to each other. Even people who don't know, I'll start saying hello as they walk their doors in the morning. And just based off that, I have actually picked up a lot of new clients. Um, and it's just a really positive environment, training outdoors. I'm really enjoying it.
0: That's awesome me yeah, I remember it. um you said oh, i was I was a little bit fatigued in this session because I was uh, carrying kettlebells up and down to to where you were doing your um personal training basically all day um yeah and that and that's what like you've obviously taken on board and, and um yeah putting a lot of effort into it um to to run the programs and you obviously must feel you, you get a lot out of it with that sort of um that's sort of the responses that you're getting from um, like the the companies and, and pe- people themselves.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I definitely. Yeah. I'm. I love helping people. So that's mm. what. You know. That's what makes me happy. And um, definitely. Uh, like I think people are really struggling with the isolation. So to mm. be able to come out and do a, um a face to face session. Um is yeah it's quite powerful i think like because it's not just about telling them to do 20 burpees or 10 push-ups it's about like how are you going you know and they can Mm -hmm. actually talk about Uh, especially with homeschooling as well (laughs) a lot of people struggling with that so it's just having someone to talk to
0: um and then what is one thing that your um program that you've set for a client um has been positive for them that that you didn't expect
3: um i guess I think, yeah, for me it's the it's the mental side as well as the physical, but um just the the ability to cope with um something that we've never been through before. I think um you can see the changes and a lot of them have started off doing one session and then now been like, okay, like now that we can as of last Saturday we can train, you know, more than one person, we want to do three sessions with you, three like yeah, three times a week. Um, and you can just see how much they they enjoy it because they appreciate actually getting outside now to train. They appreciate that they they can't just go and train in their in their gym at the moment. So I think for me it's the mental side of it, um, and then the physical just kind of comes with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I think it is so important, especially yeah, when you're sitting on a screen all day, that mental side can really take it, yep. it can really take its toll on that mental side. I think, and um, and I like that idea that you said or that, you, that you've that you had where you've got like the whole basically the whole company or not the whole company sorry but you've got you've got a, a lot of employees on at once and you're taking them through like on the on the screen um yeah. taking through a set um program and i think that would be really cool because like they could like chat and stuff whilst yeah. doing the exercises
3: yeah there's always there's some a bit of banter as well which is always funny and um <laughs> In yeah for them, yeah
1: because I think they do
3: struggle with like sitting on Zoom meeting calls all the time. Like a lot of people need that like human interaction, mm. you know. In, yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. And um, what what are some sort of roadblocks you find with um, helping people improve their fitness?
3: Um, I would say work is <laughs> a big yeah, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's just some really bad cultures in some workplaces still. Um, even though yeah, that a lot of places are getting a lot better. There's still that. There. Stress of um, at the economy is not great, companies are downsizing, so you know, less employees are expected to do the same amount of work or more, um, and there's a lot of pressure. Um, I've found, yeah, that can be quite frustrating for me because I feel like they're not putting their health or their family first, they're putting work first. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, being in the city, you know, a lot of clients were cancelled last minute, and I know that if they did make it a priority and get the decision done they would actually be more productive in the workplace um and i feel like i'm not blaming it on them i feel like sometimes the their employers should be actually supporting it more and you do notice the difference in the in those companies where the um directors of the firms do have that lifestyle where they put they do put fitness first and they make it a priority um for their for their team and it might not be paying for their team to train it might just be you know allowing them to train you know at different times or you know mm-hmm. contributing towards doing group group fitness i've definitely see huge benefits when companies do come in and do group fitness together
0: yep now i'm mindful of your time i've just got one more question um for to, to ask you and that's what's next for katie dell
3: um well <laughs> depending on covid i guess <laughs> um I I did, well, I did initially have a plan to do the Guzzler 100k this year, but it has been rescheduled and um, just a few other things in life that have kind of got in the way. It's been a bit of a crazy year, so um, I would love to do Melbourne Marathon if it goes ahead. Yep, yep. Um,
0: Real good one there, yep.
3: Yeah, so that'll be popular if it goes ahead. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I definitely want to do some more marathons. Um, I, we, I mean, we did set the goal this year of, of PBing across 10K half and full marathon. Mm-hmm. But yep. obviously because of a lot of the events being cancelled or rescheduled, um, that's not going to happen this year. But yeah, maybe maybe just doing Melbourne Marathon and then setting those 10 and half K um, PB goals for next year.
0: Yep. Get back onto the roads.
3: Back onto the, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Road, road running for this year. And then maybe some trails yep. next year. I don't know
0: see what happens and
3: then maybe 100k there yeah
0: maybe (laughs) all right so yeah thanks so much for giving up um some of your valuable time there katie and um but where can people go to to book in or or read more about activate health and fitness
3: um yep so you can go to uh if you just type in activate health and fitness um in, in instagram or facebook um our pages will pop up or you can go to um activate hf.com.au and that's our website um you can book all our services directly online there mm-hmm. um, yeah
0: perfect and where can people go to to uh follow your running journey
3: um you can follow me on instagram so it's KT plant powered pt or katie doll if you just type in my name it should pop up mm-hmm. um, yeah, follow me on there and i normally keep it pretty updated
0: yep excellent Oh, thanks so much, um, Katie, for, for jumping on. It's been really interesting to to hear your your journey and and hear the ins and outs of of those races that you um that you yeah, did so well in last year um and this year too. And yeah, looking forward to to continuing to uh to see you yeah rip up those roads and then and then the trails.
3: Thank you. Thanks for all your support as well from yourself um with um all the amazing. Um, coaching programs and um, yeah, to the run from onto BB for all your virtual challenges. It's been really cool and motivating during this crazy time.
0: Awesome. No worries. No, no that, that means a lot. Thanks so much.
3: Hi, right. Thank you. you.
1: Thanks for listening to episode eight of the Better With Running podcast. As always, great to have our guests join us Sammy the Shoe Dog McLean. You can find him when he isn't coaching his athletes or hitting up the trails down at the Yarraville Running Company in Melbourne. Also, a big shout out and a thank you to uh, Run to PB athlete, Katie Dahl, director and PT at Activate Health and Fitness. You can also follow her journey on Instagram. Uh, search for Katie Plant Powered PT. As always, we'd love to hear your listener questions, so definitely send them through. You can jump on our website, www.runpb.co/slash betterwithrunning podcast, or via the socials, just shoot us through a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. But for now, until next time, enjoy the rest of your run.